God the Father loves his children. And like every loving father, he wants to communicate with his kids. So he comes to you, and he comes to me, and he says, I have a gift for you. It's a gift called prayer. And I want you to unwrap this gift and embrace this gift. Because through prayer, you can talk with me. Through prayer, you can learn to listen to me. I am offering you this gift because I love you and I long to spend time with you. Now, if I'm the typical Christian, what do I do with this gift? I probably take it home and I place it unwrapped on a shelf. And it sits there and doesn't get used very much. Now, I I don't ignore it. I know it's there. And in fact, I love to learn about prayer. I go to church and I hear sermons about prayer. And I go to an adult Bible fellowship or a a life group where we read the Bible and we talk more about prayer. And yet, if I'm a typical Christian, on many days and in many different situations of life, this great gift of prayer remains wrapped up. I leave it unopened and unused. Until, of course, a crisis comes along, and then, boy, do I unwrap it in a hurry. And I start praying a lot, asking God for help, and yet when the crisis is past, what do I do? I probably wrap it back up and put it back on the shelf. It's been my experience that most Christians don't embrace the gift of prayer in a consistent and ongoing way. And I know that because it was true of me for years. And I know I'm not alone in that experience. And the fact is, we find it challenging to embrace prayer individually, and we find it challenging to embrace prayer as a community. I once had the following experience, and see if you can identify with this. I went to a life group meeting where we spent 30 minutes talking through a Bible passage about prayer. Then we spent 20 minutes exchanging prayer requests. And then we spent 10 minutes actually praying. God's great gift of prayer was largely, excuse me, only briefly unwrapped. It was largely unused. And at least in my life, everything began to change for me when I started to practice prayer differently. I started reading through the book of Psalms and I began to learn more about how to pray by watching and reading how King David prayed. And in Psalm 5, I discovered three practices of prayer that helped me learn to approach God and to experience God in some new ways. And this morning, we're going to take a look at these practices, practices that can help all of us more fully embrace God's great gift of prayer. And this morning, we're not just going to talk about prayer. We're going to do some praying as well. In fact, I'd like us to begin by praying the first part of this psalm together. And so if you are physically able, I'd like you to stand. We're going to have the words on the screen, and I'd like us to offer this prayer together as our prayer to God. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God 
for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. Amen. Please be seated. Every time you and I pray, we practice how to approach God. And the more that we practice prayer, the more natural it becomes. The more that we practice prayer, the more we're able to experience God's presence as we pray. We all understand that practice is important for things like sports. Learning to sing or play a musical instrument, learning to sketch or draw, or so many other areas of life. Well, practice is equally important in the spiritual arena. And when it comes to prayer, these opening verses of Psalm 5 provide us with an example of some solid spiritual practices. And I believe that if you and I can learn how to pray the way David does, then we are more likely to unwrap the gift of prayer more often and to embrace it more fully. And as we do, we will experience more of God. And one of the powerful principles we learn here, one of the powerful practices we learn here, is that for David, the practice of prayer begins in the morning. David starts his day with God. We see that here in verse 3. And David highlights the fact that he is starting his day with God. Now, ideally, we should be ready to pray at any time. As we go through our day, there are moments when we need God's wisdom, when we need God's help, and we should pray right then. There are moments when wonderful things happen in the midst of the day, and we should stop and thank God right then. And yet there's something wonderful and something significant about an established time of prayer in the morning. In the morning, we're meeting God before we become weary as a result of the events of the day. In the morning, we have a chance to talk with God about issues and situations that we know are going to come up that day and get some wisdom and guidance from Him. And morning prayer says something very significant about our priorities. You know, there's a a wonderful principle that comes from the Old Testament, and it's called first fruits. God asked the Jewish people to take the very first part of their harvest, the best part of their harvest, and to give it away to God as an offering. In other words, don't don't give to God last. Don't give to God leftovers. Give to God first. He's the priority. And we can apply that principle to many different areas of life, including our time. And when we give God time at the start of the day and we meet Him through prayer, we're putting Him first and not simply giving Him leftover time that may occur sporadically throughout the day. And we're making it clear to God and to ourselves that He comes first. That He's our priority. And as we meet God in the morning, we're being equipped by God for the day. That's what David models for us here in this prayer. And based on feedback I've received from you throughout this year of prayer, as we've been emphasizing prayer here at Gardenway, I'm I'm hearing that more and more of you are doing this this year. You're carving out time in the morning to meet God and to pray. And you're discovering that morning prayer helps you to be spiritually refreshed and spiritually energized as you prepare for the day. 
You're discovering that morning prayer equips you with a greater awareness of God's presence and prepares you to be more alert so that you can see how God is at work in your life throughout the day. I'm glad that some of you are having that experience. That's been my experience as well. Morning prayer is a wonderful spiritual practice that can help each of us more fully embrace this great gift of prayer that God has given us. Now, having said that, the time of prayer obviously is not the only thing that's important. The content of our prayers also is vitally important. Do we think that David just got up in the morning and said, uh, hey God, please bless my day and then sat down to breakfast? Probably not. (laughs) In fact, David's going to pray in this prayer about some deep things. You see, he's preparing to offer a heartfelt prayer. And we see that here in, in, in this text, how he, how he approaches God and the way he describes it is fascinating. He begins there in verse 1 where he asks God to consider his lament. Lament comes from a Hebrew word that also can be translated groaning or sighing. In other words, David is bringing some hurts before God. He also asks God to listen to his cry for help and to his requests. Clearly then, David's not preparing to offer a simple, ritualistic, formulaic prayer. He's going to open up his heart to God. And this comes through in the rest of the psalm in verses 4 to 12. I'm not going to read it, but I want to summarize it for you. David is going to pray for God's protection and God's guidance. He's going to ask for God's help so he can live righteously and be equipped to pursue God's agenda more than his own agenda. And he prays that he wouldn't act in evil ways like the people around him who do not uh, care for God and who oppose God. And he thanks God for the love that God gives to him. He thanks God for the privilege of worshiping him. And he expresses hope that every person who is faithful and loves God would find great joy in the presence of God. So it's a prayer of lament, it's a prayer of thanks, and a prayer of praise. It's a prayer with some specific details. David is a loved child of God, and he offers a deeply personal and heartfelt prayer to his heavenly Father. And because of conversations I've had with a number of you, I know that this is an area where many people struggle. Some of you have told me that you were trained to pray through lists of requests. And so your prayer times, when you have them, tend to consist of general prayers where you ask God to bless your family and to bless our church and to bless our missionaries. Now, now that's not a bad thing. But for many of you, those prayers have become rote. And they're devoid of passion. You've been offering prayers like this out of a sense of obligation And there's no excitement and anticipation and invitation toward prayer in any of that. And now you find yourself in a rut. And here's the fascinating thing about the ruts of life. We don't like them, but they're familiar. So we get comfortable with our ruts and we tend to stay within them. And if we're caught in the rut of offering formulaic prayers then learning to offer heartfelt prayers is going to be new. 
it's going to be different. In fact, it might even be uncomfortable. Because offering heartfelt prayers requires some candor, it requires some vulnerability. And that doesn't come naturally to many of us. I mean, let's think about this. It's not easy sometimes to be honest with ourselves to ourselves. <laughs> we hide a lot from ourselves about what's going on in our lives. And sometimes it's really uncomfortable to be honest with ourselves toward others. We hang out with a friend. Do we really spill all the beans? It's not easy to be honest about what's really going on in our lives with another person. And therefore, it's likely to be uncomfortable learning to be honest with God about ourselves. And so, if we want to escape the rut of routine prayers and learn to offer heartfelt prayers, then we have to be willing to push through our discomfort. And I don't know any way to do that except through practice, some consistent practice. And the more we practice being honest with God, in prayer, opening up our heart to God in prayer, the more we will find that there is freedom to offer prayers from the heart. And if you're really stuck in a rut, it might be that to break out of that rut, you need some new approaches to prayer. I'd like to suggest a couple. Here's a couple of tools that might help you out. One is to write out your prayers like David has done for us here. Writing out my prayers is a practice I engage in from time to time, and I find it tremendously helpful. There's something about the physical action of getting a pad of paper and picking up a pen, or sitting down at my computer and typing at the keyboard. It keeps me focused, and it helps keep my mind from wandering. And there's something about the act of writing that brings different senses into play compared to when I just sit down and fold my hands and... Pray silently. Writing out my prayers has helped me offer more focused, more specific, more heartfelt prayers. Here's another tool that might be helpful to you. Pray from the Psalms. Many of you tell me that you struggle to put into words what you're thinking and feeling. You don't know how to open your heart up to God. Well, I guarantee you that just about every single human emotion that it is possible to experience is written somewhere in one of the Psalms. It's all there. And we can take these prayers and make them our own, as we just did a minute ago. A friend of mine used to say, a psalm a day keeps the shrink away. And he would pray a psalm every morning. And it taught him to offer heartfelt prayers. Prayers that kept him much more closely connected to God. And equipped him for the day ahead. So if you're struggling, those are some thoughts that might help. Now while some of us are struggling in this area, I know that there also are others who are, who are learning in this area and growing in this area, and some of you have been able to break out of your ruts and express more heartfelt prayers to God. And it's exciting to hear about these things. Here are a few examples from some members of our own church family. A man said to me, I've had a broken relationship with my brother for 10 years. I used to just pray mechanically, God, please fix this problem. 
or God, please change him. <laughs> we like to pray that way, don't we? <laughs> but now I've started to open up my heart. I've told God how much it hurts to be estranged from my brother. I've told God how desperately I want reconciliation to take place between us. I've told God that I'm willing for him to change me in order for that to take place. And I have to say that I don't fully understand all that God is doing and how he's doing it. But he's slowly changing me. And he's slowly changing my brother. And he's slowly bringing us back together. Heartfelt prayers can make a difference. Here's another example. My best friend is not a follower of Jesus. However, I rarely prayed for her spiritual well-being. And if I did, I would just say something generic like, Father, please help her to find Jesus. And I never admitted it to myself or to God, just how concerned I was for her spiritual condition. And now, though, I've made a commitment to pray for her every morning. And I pray for her in very specific ways. Each day I ask God to do something, even if it's subtle, that would reveal himself to her. I ask God how he can work in me and through me to demonstrate the love of Jesus to her. And I tell my Heavenly Father every day that more than anything, I want my best friend to become my spiritual sister. Now on a regular basis, I see God at work in her life. I see God at work in our relationship. I see the Holy Spirit slowly drawing my friend toward Jesus. See, these members of our church family are not offering simplistic, formulaic, generic prayers. They're praying in ways that are specific, in ways that are focused. They are taking concerns that lie heavy on their hearts, and they are bringing those concerns to the Heavenly Father. And He's responding. I find myself wondering, what's on your heart this morning? And when you go to prayer, do you bring your concerns and your laments to God. I have a huge lament right now. And it's heavy on my heart. And I'm spending a lot of time praying about it. I'm lamenting the lack of unity among the people of God. We live in such a badly fractured society. And politics has become the God of our culture and political parties have become our tribe. And too many followers of Jesus have become caught up in this. And the result is tension and conflict and disunity between believers as we let politics, politics define us rather than faith. And rather than change the culture, we keep letting the culture change us. And that's not what Jesus wants. We have an election coming up this week, and this is an opportunity for us as followers of Jesus to model a different way to behave. And we can show the world around us that every election is not a matter of life or death. We can show the world that we put our trust in God and in his kingdom rather than in the promises of any politician. 
And this is so important. And I want us to take a minute right now and pray about this issue. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we know that elections are important. We know that elections have significant consequences. And yet, at the same time, you've told us in the Scriptures, don't put your trust in princes, because flawed human leaders cannot save us from ourselves. And so, Father, I ask for three specific things. First, help us to keep this election and every election in proper perspective. And second, help each of us to vote based on conscience, based on conviction, and based, most importantly, on the values of your kingdom. Through the power of the Spirit, give us the wisdom and insight we need to vote in godly ways. And third, Father, help us to extend grace to others, particularly to to other followers of Jesus whose political convictions may be different than ours. Help us, Father to demonstrate that we love you and we love others as we love ourselves by the way that we vote and by the way that we conduct ourselves in the political arena. And may we never lose sight of the fact that you call us to live in unity, not conformity, but unity, a unity based on our common faith in Jesus Christ. May that always hold your family together. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You ever had a situation like this where somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I've got this issue going on in my life and I'd really like you to pray about it. You say, yeah, yeah, I'll pray. And you walk away and I bet the odds are good that you probably forget to pray about it. (laughs) I mean, you might pray, but maybe not. I think sometimes it's good in that moment to just stop talking and start praying. To pray immediately, right there, when the issue is before us. And I think in the moment, we might be more likely to even offer a heartfelt prayer. And that's what we just did. We stopped, we interrupted things, we took a moment to pray, because it's important to do that. Let's be willing to break into our other patterns of life when necessary and to stop talking and to just pray and ask God to be at work. And and here's something else I notice about heartfelt prayer. It's usually fairly specific. All of these examples that I've offered this morning involve specific requests. There's nothing wrong with offering a general prayer. I could certainly at the start of my day say, hey, God, please bless me today. Nothing wrong with that. But in all honesty, how would I know if God answered that prayer? It's so general that it's vague. And you see, a specific prayer gives God an opportunity to answer in some specific ways that we can see. And as that happens, then it leads to a sense of expectation. We've said, God, here's some specific things I'm asking you for. And therefore, now I'm going to leave my time of prayer and go into my day, and I'm going to look specifically to see what you might be doing in response to my specific requests. And so I believe a key practice of prayer, life-changing prayer, is to pray and live expectantly. And that's how David wraps up his prayer. In verse 3, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. 
Now, David obviously believes that God hears him when he pr- prays, or he wouldn't bother praying at all. And he, and he asks God to hear because he believes that God will hear. And he trusts that God will hear because David knows that he's a child of God and that God loves him and has the best interests of his life at heart. And so he lays out these needs, lays out his requests, but he's looking to see what God might do. And I think this is an area where many of us can greatly improve our practice of prayer. You see, if we offer mechanical and routine general prayers, then there's not much to look forward to. We've been so vague, it's not clear how God might answer, so we're not going to live with a great sense of expectation. Or you might be one of those people that compartmentalize your lives. A lot of us do that. Oh, the spiritual piece is over here, and the work piece is over here, and the recreation piece is over here. And so we may pray, and we may pray with passion, but when we finish praying, oh, the spiritual time is done, we put that over here, now we're off to other things, and we forget about what we just prayed about. You see, if we do these kinds of things, then we're, we're not looking for God to show up. There's no sense of curiosity or anticipation. But if we practice learning to live with expectation, then everything changes. We'll be ready to listen if God sends someone into our life who might have a word of advice or counsel that can help us with the problem or situation that we're dealing with. If we're living expectantly, we are far more likely to sense that small, quiet nudge of the Holy Spirit as He guides us to do the right thing and to figure out what to do. And it's really important as we think about waiting expectantly that we remember waiting expectantly doesn't mean we expect God to do exactly what we asked Him to do. You see, sometimes what we ask for is not what we need. Sometimes what we ask for is not in our best interest to get. And so God may respond to our prayers differently than we might expect. But if we're praying and then living with expectation, we'll see that. And we'll be aware of it as God maybe prompts us to see our problem, our circumstance, our issue, our concern from a new perspective, a different perspective. And here's something God does a lot. Often He delays responding. But that becomes another thing we can pray about. Father, I've offered this prayer. Why is it dragging out? Why don't I see an answer yet? Could it be, Father, that there's something you want me to learn as I wait? Father, maybe are you trying to change me before you change my situation? Waiting expectantly is powerful because it draws us more deeply into prayer. We pray and then we look and wait for God's response and we keep talking with Him as we try and discern what He's doing or not doing so that we can get a good handle on what it is that He actually wants to accomplish in our lives as He molds us and shapes us to become more faithful followers of Jesus. If we can engage the practice waiting expectantly, I believe it will greatly enrich our experience of prayer. So I love these first three verses of Psalm 5 because David offers these three spiritual practices. They're here for us, recorded for us, so we can learn from them and embrace them in our own lives. 
and it leads to a question. What can you take away from this? What can you learn from David's practice of prayer? Could there be a next step that God might be prompting you to take that could help you more more eagerly and passionately, more consistently unwrap and embrace the gift of prayer? Well, I want to offer some suggestions. I want to encourage you to pray every morning, even if it's brief. Pray every morning. Practice becoming consistent about meeting God at the start of your day. And as you do that, and as that becomes a pattern of your life, you will be changed by that. And second, don't offer general formulaic prayers. Pray specifically and pray from the heart. Practice getting yourself more and more honest with God. And then listen as God wants to speak into the situations of your life. And third, practice going through the day with a sense of expectation. And as you do, as I do, we see God more clearly and our faith is more energized because we know when he shows up. Morning prayer, heartfelt prayer, expectant prayer, great spiritual practices that can help us more fully embrace the gift of prayer and connect more closely with God. I want to wrap up this morning the same way we began, by having us pray together. And so right now I want to invite the music team to come back to the platform and prepare to lead us into some further worship through music. We're going to sing another two or three songs and just offer those as the expressions of our heart to God. And I'd like you, once again, if you're physically able to stand, and we're going to offer the opening prayer again together. Now I know that praying like this is not something that we do all the time, and I know it's not quite the same as praying on your own, and it's kind of tricky sometimes getting in the rhythm and having everybody pray all the words together. But it's a good thing at times for us to do this and to pray together. So as best we can, let's think about these words and let's offer them together as our prayer to God. Listen to my words, Lord, consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Amen. Why don't you keep standing as we now continue to engage in musical worship.